Hi there, and welcome back to Out There, a cryptid podcast. I'm your host, Josh. Each week, I come out with a new episode focused on a cryptid that I find super fascinating and weird. And if you still don't know what a cryptid is, it is defined as a creature that has been claimed to exist but never proven to exist. Now, cryptids don't have to be supernatural or mythical beings, although many of them are. Some cryptids have actually become documented animals. Make sure you go and follow the podcast on Instagram at OutThereCryptids and check out the posts I make for each episode and maybe send some suggestions you'd like to hear. Wow, it's amazing to be back. Hello to all you beautiful listeners, old and new. While I was gone, we hit 10,000 listens. That is so crazy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I bet you are very excited, so I won't go on about myself for too long besides just one thing. There is a new member of the Out There team. Her name is Penny, and she is my beautiful puppy that sat with me while I wrote this episode and is sitting next to me now while I record. She is keeping me safe from this week's cryptid. (laughs) Today's episode is one of the most famous and terrifying cryptids, one that has been requested by many of you, and one we have talked about in other episodes. It is the infamous Skinwalker. And let me tell you, According to legend, the fact that I'm even talking about them means they are going to come and hunt me down, so you better enjoy this episode, because my life could literally depend on it. There is no Weird Club segment today, just me. So, for the first time in a long time, let's dive in. When explaining this cryptid, we have to go all the way back to its origins. These origins trace back to the Navajo people in the southwest part of America, in now Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico. In Navajo culture, a skinwalker is a malevolent spirit, or witch, that has the ability to turn themselves into an animal. Now, this cryptid is so widely believed in within the Navajo community that people from the tribe even today are still very weary when discussing the topic. Because the Navajo people are descendants from different tribes, including the Pueblo people, Apache, Hopi, Ute, and others, there are different types of these witches or evil spirits. All of them have the ability to change into any animal they desire. So because there really is so much information, we have to know before getting into sightings. This first part will be on the history and explaining the cryptid. And then we will jump into sightings. And let me just tell you, The amount of witness stories is insane. The skinwalker or witch is called Yi Nudaloshi, which translates to with it he goes on all fours. This is referring to the fact that probably the most common form they take is a wolf or coyote, but that isn't the only form. Apparently the most common ones are foxes, eagles, owls, and even crows. Sometimes other human beings as well. To become a skinwalker, one has to go through a ritual. In many Native American tribes, they believe that there are spiritual powers from the earth. This is how they have medicine men or women who have the abilities to heal. But of course, when there is good magic in the world, the scales have to be balanced, meaning there is also dark or evil magic. The most common belief on how someone becomes a skinwalker is that these people were once medicine people, but they began to abuse their powers. They would direct the spiritual abilities to harm people or bring misfortune to others. Then there is another aspect of this dark magic. 
They would use human dead bodies in different ways, which included making tools or weapons out of the bones, and went as far as to create a curse on someone else. This knowledge or ability to perform such rituals wasn't widely known, nor was it accepted, so the elders that did possess these abilities only passed it down to certain individuals they felt they could trust. There is, however, another way people were believed to have become these evil witches. According to legend, the one way someone becomes a skinwalker is by committing the most evil thing imaginable killing a loved one. This was most often a family member, but after they killed this loved one, they obtained the ability to shapeshift. Because they have committed murder, they are not allowed to rejoin the tribe, and so they live away from the others. They are said to have worn the skin of the animal they most often transformed into, hence the name, Skinwalkers. Now, you may be saying, but people in Native American tribes wore animal pelts all the time, and that is true, but they most often wore sheepskin, leather, and buckskin, not any predatory animal. When the skinwalkers are in their animal forms, they possess the abilities of the animal, but on a heightened level. The other thing that is interesting to note is their eyes. When they are human, they have animal eyes, but when they are animals, they have human eyes that usually glow red. Now, like I said, before we get into sightings of this cryptid, we have some more history to discuss. So buckle up because things are about to get scary. As we know, early white settlers were horribly cruel to the Native Americans. Things were relatively peaceful until a well-respected Navajo leader named Narbona was murdered in 1849. Then tensions rose, and the battles began. In the 1860s, white settlers started to move west, and when they did, there were many wars fought over the land. Eventually, the U.S. Army was able to evict the Navajo people, and with this came what was known as the Long Walk of the Navajo, or the Navajo Long Walk, to the Bosque Redondo. It occurred from 1863 to 1864, approximately 8,500 men, women, and children marched almost 300 miles. Around 200 of them died during the walk and many more died after. Some were able to escape and survived around the Grand Canyon or up in Utah, but the ones who couldn't were put into essentially a prison camp. And the worst part is that about four years later, the US government deemed it a miserable failure. And so the government just released them. Eventually they repaid, and I say that in quotes, because I wouldn't necessarily choose that word, the tribes with land and livestock. So the reason this is important is because it is believed that many tribe members turned to the skinwalker ways so they could shapeshift out of these horrible conditions. And for the people who didn't do that, they started to believe their god had abandoned them. Now, when they returned to their land, tensions were high amongst the tribe's people. People began to blame the skinwalkers for bringing bad luck onto them, and so the accusations of witchcraft and even skinwalkers went wild. In 1878, the Navajo Witch Purge began. Around 40 tribe members were killed in hopes to bring peace among the people. Now, in terms of early stories of skinwalkers, there really aren't many. This is probably due to the fact that 
Navajo people don't talk about skinwalkers, but in 1870, a student at Brigham Young University wrote a book for her English 391 class titled The Legend, The Legends of the Wolfman. According to the BYU Library, the book is about the legend of the Navajo Indian's Wolfman, contains a cover essay about the Wolfman and informant items. Items include people's people's personal experiences with the Wolfman and the more traditional legends. Now, that sounds amazing to read, right? Well, due to missing consent forms, the book is restricted until 2050. But from some info I could find, the book contains early stories from people within the Navajo tribe. And unfortunately, we have to wait another 30 years to read them. However, I did find a story from 10 years after this book came out. 1980, on the Navajo Reservation in Utah, a family was on vacation. While they were driving back to their hotel, one night something odd happened. As the car came to a sharp turn on the road, they slowed down. Then, all of a sudden, something jumped out next to the car. It came from a ditch on the side of the road. The family described it as having black fur and being larger than a normal wolf. But it was wearing a shirt and pants. So they quickly sped away and never looked back. They put the incident behind them and arrived back home in Flagstaff, Arizona a couple days later. Then, one night, they were all awoken by a strange loud sound in front of their fence. It was the sound of chanting and drumming. When they looked out the window, they saw three dark forms standing there. They looked somewhat like men, but still something was off. And as if this wasn't strange enough, the creatures were unable to climb the fence, not because they physically couldn't. It seemed like some kind of force was keeping them from getting over. The figures then just seemingly walked away and vanished. First off, terrifying. But this does bring up a very interesting aspect of this cryptid. Apparently, they have to be invited into someone's property or inside a house. This is why the men couldn't cross the fence. They weren't invited in. Now, this is pretty common with some supernatural creatures like werewolves and vampires, so it would make sense that this would extend to skinwalkers, I guess. The thing is, there is one place I am sure they were never invited to, but definitely visit. A place we know well. That's right, Skinwalker Ranch. Now, I don't want to go into stories about the place because you can just go back and listen to the episode. Point is, the Sherman family that moved into the ranch in the 90s were greeted by what they believed was a skinwalker in wolf form. And if you remember, there was even the time where a team member followed wolf prints until they turned into human footprints. Plus, there were many pictures taken of wolf-like creatures in the area, even though a wolf hasn't been spotted there in years. But you really should go listen to the episode if you haven't already, because it's one of my favorites I've ever done. Now, there are some characteristics or abilities that skinwalkers possess that we haven't talked about yet. Instead of me just telling you them, why don't we listen to witness accounts that shed some more light on these skinwalkers? On one of our favorite TV shows, Monsters and Mysteries in America, a man describes two encounters he had with this cryptid. 
1969 on the Navajo Reservation. Leonard Dan, a now-retired biologist, was with his father at their family farm. They had a very successful winter with their sheep herd and were excited for the springtime to come. There were about 150 sheep in the herd, and some looked to be ready to bring new lambs into the mix. Just like every other day, his father locked the sheep into their corral, and the men headed home for the night. The next morning, around 5 a.m., they went back to begin their daily chores on the farm. But when they arrived, they were greeted with a horrible sight. Almost all of the sheep were piled into a corner of the fenced area, dead and partially eaten. It looked as if someone or something just threw them there after they had been finished eating them. There were canine prints all around, but how could a coyote do this? The men called the tribal police, but they were just as confused. The next person to bring in was the shaman or medicine man, but when he saw the prints, he knew exactly what they were dealing with. The paw prints in the dirt were not normal canine prints. There were no claw marks. Plus, the only thing with this much strength would have to be a skinwalker. As we know, livestock mutilation cases are wild in numbers in the southwest part of America. Of course, some believe aliens are doing it, but perhaps one of the cases, or some of them, really could be skinwalkers. I mean, everyone's gotta eat, right? <laughs> but anyways, that wasn't Leonard's last interaction with this cryptid. Several years later, he was driving to the farm when he came upon a woman in her early 20s at a water well. Nothing out of the ordinary, until he started to drive by and she turned around to look at him. Her face was something like a wolf. It was all dark with white vertical streaks. She looked at him, and he sped the truck up and drove off. But when he looked in his rearview mirror, she was gone. A paranormal researcher that was featured on the show said something that I think is really the most terrifying part about this cryptid. He said, one of the scariest parts about the skinwalker is that it can be anybody. Skinwalkers have even been known to imitate loved ones, mainly by mimicking their voices to lure you closer. But either way, that's only our first story, and the others get even more terrifying. Okay, so I know how much you love a Reddit story. I do too. So I have included not one, but two. So let's start with the first one, which was posted by Aaron Jesus seven years ago. Here is what they wrote. Anybody that has been on the Navajo reservation has either probably heard of some creepy things or have experienced some pretty creepy things, namely skinwalkers. I have only seen one. Here is my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute reservation to the north and the U.S.'s largest Navajo reservation to the south. My high school, being so small, an A1 high school that has on average 80 students enrolled every year, always had to travel south around 5 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. This means that we traveled a lot on the Navajo Res. And we also usually stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning. But this trip was a little different. I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put up the teams in a hotel that trip, so we were going to be on the road for a total of about 12 hours. 
I was the only male senior to play basketball that season. We had just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus, Big Blue. We were headed out, and it wasn't long, about two hours of driving before we entered the res. By this time, everyone was asleep, with it being about two in the morning. When we headed across the res's border, I noticed the bus driver had sped up and was now going about 85 miles per hour. I thought this was a little weird because he never exceeded the speed limit, at least not in my high school career. For some reason, I couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates, and I just sat at the back of the bus, staring out across the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out, I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit, and keeping up with the bus at 85 miles per hour. As the figure got closer, I saw that it was a humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only the face was painted like half black and half white with the glowing eyes. Glowing eyes like a rabbit's eyes, reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus, hurdling sagebrush and rocks while staring at me. After I made eye contact with the thing, I could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and eyes in place. The skinwalker just smiled at me, this inhumane smile that went ear to ear, showing crooked yellowed pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumble down onto all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see his bones crack and reform. Hair started appearing all over the skinwalker's body and in about three seconds was now a coyote and it ran off back into the desert, out of view. As soon as it was gone, I ran into the onboard bathroom and puked a mixture of food and blood. I didn't want to tell anyone for fear they would think I was crazy. I confided in my Navajo friend. She told me that I needed to see the chief, who also happened to be a friend of mine, and get a blessing. I saw him the next school day in the parking lot. He just came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo while waving a feathered scepter-like thing, turned around, got in his truck, and drove away. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. It might be due to the fact that I moved away from the town and res, and if I do have to go south, I go around. Way around. I mean, that's terrifying. Like, borderline worst case scenario. This story brings up another part of the cryptid that we haven't touched on, though. Witnesses and elders from the tribe say that skinwalkers possess the ability to control their victims once their eyes meet. Some say that skinwalkers are reading their thoughts, others say they feel like they are in a trance. Either way, this comes from the dark magic or witch characteristics. They aren't just beasts running through the night. They are intelligent and very powerful people with capabilities unlike anyone else. Now. I think there is something very interesting in the part where the chief comes to do a blessing. He doesn't talk about the skinwalker. He doesn't really say anything, but the blessing itself. Probably because even talking about them is bad. 
So, again, you should all be grateful for me since I am apparently going to be killed by one now. <laughs> okay, here's the next story from Reddit, posted about a year ago by Inuk Shankin. The story is insane. So, get ready. A little background first. I was serving a 15-year sentence in a penitentiary in southern Arizona. What I was in there for isn't important. During my stay there, there were countless things that happened that no one could explain, and even more that no one wanted to know more about. It all started with a prison legend. Supposedly, years ago, something awful and unexplainable happened in the prison. Every morning, we'd be woken up and expected to stand near the front of our door cells while guards visually confirmed we were present and accounted for. Apparently, about a year before I got sent there, the most brutal and unexplainable thing happened during one of these routines. A man who had assailed himself looked very off during this check, and when a guard pulled over another guard to help him check it out, they found it wasn't actually the prisoner they were expecting at all. It was a totally different man. This man was wearing the skin of the other man over him, loosely fitting, draped over him, apparently looking like a real monster. The scariest thing were, though, was the guy wearing the skin was not an inmate. They had no idea how he even got into prison, let alone a cell. What's worse is that they couldn't even figure out who the hell he was. He wasn't documented anywhere, and what's worse than that? They never found the body of the man of the skin he was wearing. Pretty grisly stuff, I know, and I realize that's not the go-to definition of skinwalker, but that's what the prison called him, the skinwalker. Didn't help the guy never talked, apparently. Anyway, that's what started the whole skinwalker superstition around the yard. Apparently, the guy got shipped into a different spot about a month after it happened, and just about everyone in Gen Pop felt all the better for it. I heard about the story on the second day of my stay. Hell of a story to hear, to place in your home for the foreseeable future. Now, onto the real shit though. Sure, that guy was the skinwalker, but, but all he did in the long run was get an old lifer Navajo inmate to tell any everyone about actual skinwalkers. It seemed like a lot of the prison culture actually revolved around them. Now, apparently skinwalkers are tricky to point out on the spot, but if you manage to survive around one for more than a minute or two, almost everyone can tell the mannerisms are all off. They can mimic human speech, but not replicate it. They twitch manically. They have an unnatural gait while they walk. But apparently they got better with experience. The old Navajo guy, his name was Carl, said that he was sure there was an actual one among the prisoners, slowly picking us off over the years. He called it the Grandmaster Skinwalker at one point. Apparently he thought it had human mannerisms down so well that you might not even be able to tell if it was your cellmate for a day or two. It had to be good. He would expect a skinwalker to jump out at any opportunity for a kill, but this one realized it had a revolving door of people to kill coming to it and masterfully bided its time, as Carl thought, for years. A lot of guys found humor in it. A lot more were really on edge about it. Every once in a while, people snap. 
Sometimes you'll find your cellmate swinging in front of your bunk, strung up around the neck by his pant leg. Sometimes you just can't take it anymore. But in our yard, people tended to snap in a very special way. It wouldn't be an outburst at dinner or a silent suicide in the night. Guys would just stop talking, hunch over, and shuffle around. Any friendships they had would be mostly out the window. They would turn into a loner during wreck time. They would let their hair hang in front of their face. No one liked to talk about it. Like, if they did, it would happen to them next. I felt the same way. I didn't know if it was a skinwalker or just people going crazy, but I didn't want to find out. It wasn't clockwork or anything, but every time someone snapped in this way, it wasn't more than a couple weeks before they were shipped off or transferred to God knows where without anyone else knowing beforehand. Then there was the nighttime occurrences. Short, loud bursts of sound echoed through my cell block during all hours of the night on a regular basis. It sounded like a mix between a pig's dying squeals and nails on a chalkboard. Just another thing no one liked to talk about. Even scarier were the shadows and footsteps. The block was dimly illuminated in the night by a few lights hanging from the ceiling outside the cells. I myself saw shadows flit across my walls on a regular occurrence when there were definitely no guards near my cell. One time near the end of my sentence, I woke up, looked at my back wall, and found a perfect silhouette of a person standing there. But when I looked, my bunkmate was asleep and no one was outside my cell. And the footsteps. Everyone hated the fucking footsteps. They were the scariest part. In the night, sometimes, more rarely than the shadows, you would hear ungodly fast footsteps. They sounded like wet feet slapping on tile floor. Whatever caused them would fly from one end of the block to the other in a dead sprint. Whatever it was, was insane, inhumanly fast. If you happened to be awake before it started, by the time you heard the footsteps on one side of your cell and whipped your head around to see the thing run by, it sounded like it was three cells past you. Everyone hated the footsteps. I agreed. I thought they were the worst. I was released from that place about a month ago, and I have more stories than I can count. I swear, it was nearly my turn. About a week before I was discharged, my cellmate, a good friend of mine, snapped. In the same kind of way. I didn't sleep for an entire week. Well, I did sleep, of course, but never for more than a few minutes at a time. Never turned my back on the guy. The scariest thing? I woke up one night to him somehow shaking his body through the bars of our cell. For reference, I couldn't get anything past my shoulder through them. The worst part though, he was coming back into our cell. On the day of my release, I didn't say a word to him, just left. He seemed fine with it, so, so was I. I had made it through 15 years of prison fights, gang disputes, and for all I know, skinwalker abductions. I left through the front gates a free man. As I walked along the fence for the wreck yard, I spotted my cellmate, standing off on his own like he had for the last week or so. I shook my head, not even really sure if it was him anymore. I took one last look over the yard, this time from the other side of the fence. I wish I hadn't. There, standing off on his own, on the other side of the yard, was Carl, slouched over eyeing the other inmates, and twitching manically. I know that was long, 
But come on, that is seriously crazy and terrifying and so complex. Now, it is a fact that the incarceration rate of Native Americans is 38% higher than the national average. And even worse, in 19 states, they are more overrepresented in the prison population compared to any other race and ethnicity. This is all according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics. Now, that is a whole different issue that I'm not going to go into now, but it is major, and people should be more aware of it. The point is that if rates are that high, it would make sense that someone in there could potentially be a skinwalker or just be hunted by one. Just like the paranormal expert said, skinwalkers can be anybody. Okay, I kept a little surprise for you for the very end, but this last story includes video evidence. And these are from just last year. October 2020, a ranch in New Mexico. A farmer named John Soto posted some videos on his TikTok page that he said proved there was something stalking him on his ranch. The first video shows his horse walking along a dirt path when all of a sudden there's a loud, hey. It seems to come out of nowhere and when he pans the camera to show more where the sound comes from, there's no one there. His horse, his horse was visibly shaken and looking for where it came from. Then the sound comes again, but this time his horse turns around and starts to run away. It sounds almost like a woman's voice, but that wasn't it. In his second video, he says that he just saw something that looked like a coyote run across the road right in front of his truck. And then out of the brush, he hears what sounds like a child's voice saying, hey, or maybe a, a baby lamb crying out. He backs away from the sound and tries to get a better look closer to his truck when all of a sudden the sound comes again. He zooms into where the sound came from, but there's nothing there. The video gained over 7.5 million views and likes on the app. The hashtag Skinwalker became very popular and more people started to get creeped out by what this was. Soto says that the odd things kept happening on his ranch, and he truly believes that a skinwalker or skinwalkers are around. And so, this brings us to the part where I explain possible explanations. Now, of course, I can say things like a misidentified animal, just like a coyote acting odd or maybe having rabies, but I just don't think that is it, nor is it really that easy. Like... I have said many times before, I will inherently believe what Native American legends say because they are rooted in a deeper understanding of the earth. Plus, they have been living with the earth and land way before we were, so I am sure they have seen it all. Now, I watched the Lost Tapes episode on skinwalkers when I was a kid and was completely terrified by their depiction of one in human walking form along the road. So perhaps I'm biased. Maybe that does sway my decision. Either way, I think that there must be something going on that all these people are seeing and experiencing. So, what do you think? Are skinwalkers really out there? We are on Instagram, at OutThereCryptids, so make sure to follow us and tell us all of your thoughts on the cryptids we cover and what you'd like to hear next. It would mean a lot to us if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. 
It's a great way for others to find the podcast and enjoy, just like you. One week from today, I will be covering a place that may bring dolls to life. That's right. The Curse of Doll Island. See you next week. This episode is written and hosted by me, Josh, with logo design by Jason Zykes and theme music from purpleplanet.com.